I, I grew up in, in St. Louis, Missouri, where I didn't have a lot of access to this world, so I was genuinely excited. But what happened once I started getting these prestigious internships and jobs, that excitement started to turn into a clear reality of what the experience is like for a young professional of color in the workplace. I started to feel I didn't belong in the spaces because I, I couldn't explore who I was fully. So I, I decided that it was best to create my own business, create my own culture where I felt like I truly belonged. Welcome to Babson Built, where we showcase Babson founders and entrepreneurs, people who have tried, failed, and tried again. They're the change makers, the disruptors, the hustlers, and the builders. These are their stories. This week on Babs and Built, we're talking with Project 99 founders Yolkendi Valdez and Josuel Placencia about their mission to bring diversity to America's workforce. Was this your first idea? Was was it just, hey, Project 99, or were there some pivots that led up to that point? Yeah, so, so for us, uh, we had other ideas and things that we wanted to do. And in high school, we, we were fortunate to be in a situation where we could in a way, practice, right, uh, before uh, jumping in into uh, more serious uh, and, and more high-stakes entrepreneurship. Uh, so we did, we were doing other things. And, you know, it speaks a lot to, to how fortunate we were and the schools that, that we, you know, got to go uh, even before coming to, to Babson. What was a business that you did in high school that addressed this problem of, racial diversity or, or or was it another venture yeah so so on my end i i was uh it was amazing to to, to think about it because it was at the very beginning and and uh really it's amazing how things evolve but uh i in high school i used to uh i actually had an internship before starting babson at, at kpmg but the internship was with the united nations so i got to get exposed to work at the u.n and I was really excited about what was happening there and how youth voices um, uh, were being heard or they were trying to get youth voices heard at the United Nations. So that was uh, an idea that I had before Babson. And we put it into play, and Babson helped us organize a conference uh, for uh, for this idea, which was called the Global Development Platform. It was all about getting and organizing youth voices um, and, and connecting kind of entrepreneurship and international development. And they even funded a conference for us to go to Sri Lanka, uh, Babson wow. and Dean Hanno, uh, who was here some time ago. Uh, so great Dean, even though we only had him, I only had him for one semester, but that's what was happening before. Yeah, on, on my end, right when I came to Babson, you know, I, I always knew I had an entrepreneurship blood. I mean, um, mm-hmm. uh, people will recall when I was when I was six, I would start school in my backyard. Um, but I would charge my fellow friends to to teach them how to read because I live in a neighborhood in the DR where, where the wow. spectrum of of of, of affluence was, was very wide ranging. So you I would live, I could live in the same street with someone who couldn't afford to go to school. So I would do I would start school in my backyard and I would charge five pesos <laughs> at the time. And it, 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 and every time I recall, it's, it's, that was my early beginnings at, as a social entrepreneur, the, the, the kind of interjection that you can create both business and social value. Uh, but 
I was really always a visionary, thinking um, too broad and long term. So when I wanted, when I came here to Babson, I wanted to act. So I applied to this thing called the Clinton Global Initiative uh, with the Women's Empowerment Leadership Development Program. At first, I thought, oh, I, I should do this uh, in India uh, or uh, in a country in Africa. But I was like, when am I going to get to go to those places? And I got reminded of my ex- own experiences back home. So I created this program called YASI, which, which means, um, yes, we can, sort of that slogan. And, and it was supposed to be a three-day uh, program for young girls in the Dominican Republic. But when I went there, I realized there were too many of these programs. What we needed was more programs around inclusion, where mm-hmm. people, both men and women, get together to talk about why gender equality matters and then also why racial equity matters. So it went, and so we kind of combined these two ideas of the global development platform, so the power of, of millennials and how we can put them in the forefront of cultural change with this mix of, of talking about re- real issues such as race and sure. gender that are really present uh, across leading organizations. And that's when Josuel and I met and, and combined. And of course, it pivoted and pivoted and pivoted because Babson is this place where you can really test things out and, and we evolve. And, and now we're, we're getting to live our dream full time. And, and for those listeners who might not be as familiar with this subject, what, what is uh, racial equality and racial equity? How, how do you envision that changing in the future? So racial equity is when uh, people, no matter of their you know, ethnic or racial background, uh, all have the same access. Uh, that's, that's what it is. And, and uh, you know, it's something that is both uh, a social imperative, but actually a business imperative, because businesses perform better when they have uh, racial equity. But right now we don't, because... The country's 30% black and Latino, but only 3% of senior leaders in corporate America are black or Latino. So there's a big gap there in, in corporate America, and there's many gaps in education and in other sectors. Uh, but we're, we're very focused on the one in corporate America. So you had this amazing vision for what you were wanting to do. You you knew that you wanted to change and, and bring racial equity to right the United States and, and yeah. the world, what were your first steps? Like, what were your first small yeah. steps that you made in that direction? Yeah, so I think it's you just got to go out there and, and pilot. You don't have to have the exact formula, especially in a, in a space such as uh, racial equity. It's a, it's a very systematic issue. It's something that the whole world, not just the United States, has... Uh, been built on for the long time. So it, it would take a lot of time to restructure it. So it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and we went back to the basis and uh, sought out to create spaces where people can be themselves and, and navigate these tough discussions around race and, and other aspects of, of their identity. So we got grants to go to the Dominican Republic, Mexico, and Chile, which allowed us to come at this issue from a very global perspective. Um, before we shifted to the U.S. landscape. And what we found is that young people everywhere wanted uh, experiences that, that, that where they can talk and, and hack at these issues together. And it sounds very simple, but imagine if we can bring that type of energy 
um, into corporate America, this entrepreneurship energy, this uh, peer-led experiential where you're just not afraid to say the wrong thing. You just talk about it with your peers and colleagues. How faster we will be able to move the needle much faster because we will bring um, this level of experimentation to a topic that's been so complex and intimidating in the past to something now more fun where it's like we got to change it and make it better uh, for everybody and everybody will thrive if we talk about race more and if we uh, bring changes to the workplace around racial equity. So I, I see that Project 99 is a benefits corporation. You have it on your on your website and it's part of your mission. I wanted to dig into a little bit why why did you choose that form of business entity and what I guess was your reasoning behind that? Yeah, yeah. So for us, it was uh, it was a long journey to make that decision. It wasn't uh, a very clear one at the beginning, but now it is very clear for us that it was the right choice, which is good. It's always good when when uh, you find something out, uh, even though at the beginning you weren't so sure. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so we we really started, you know, through the support of, of Babson. Uh, more as kind of a, a project and it wasn't a formal a thing and when, when we decided we wanted to make this our lives and jump into this we had to form into a formal entity right so so in that process we were you know you have at a high level you know there's different options within nonprofit and for profit but at a high level we had to go between one of these two and uh there was a lot of kind of soul searching in terms of what the company was. And at the end of the day, we said, hey, you know, when we look at other nonprofits, I'm uh, sorry, other for-profits that are, that, that are there and, and are making money, and that's kind of one of their goals. I mean, you can still have that goal and still uh, at the same time have a, a, a social issue uh, and a social f- uh, focus uh, that you're tackling. Uh, and you know we we see our work not as a charity, you know, not all for nonprofits or charities, right? But but uh, we think that you know, racial equity should be a, a, a business imperative. You know, it is obviously a social imperative, I think. Uh, but uh, the more that we when we show up on the door, sometimes people assume we're nonprofits because of that uh, racial equity focus. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you know that we're trying to get a mind shift change in, in the sector is that if you're doing something that makes the world a better place, whether that is, you know, as we're doing it or whether that's with, you know, recycling or with, you know, taking care of orphans or whatnot, as long as you're very transparent in what you do and, um, you know, those measures are in place, uh, I think it's, it's, it's uh, a good mindset shift to see the power of a for-profit. And in this case, it's a benefits corporation. So we are held accountable uh, for that, for, for that social mission. Every entrepreneur starts somewhere. Are you looking for your beginning? The Blank Center for Entrepreneurship is where Babson's emerging entrepreneurs connect with the events, workshops, mentoring, and competitions that they need to build their businesses. This summer, join the top student teams from Babson, Wellesley College, and Olin College of Engineering and accelerate your venture in the Blank Center's Intensive Summer Venture Program. Applications open Monday, February 4th for this summer's cohort. To learn more, please visit 
www.abson.edu slash SVP. So you've, you've grown as a company a, a lot now and uh, you, you're operating in, in a num- you've had a lot of projects. You, you boast, your website boasts like a number of big uh, sponsors and a big, big clients and it's really impressive. And so are you still facing any big obstacles and um, are, has that changed over time like compared to the obstacles you faced starting out? Yeah, uh, definitely. We're, we're facing, there's there's a lot of obstacles ahead. Um, you know, when you're in a service business, a B2B business, um, it, it's a, it, it, it takes a lot of relationship building over time. You, you can't expect things to happen overnight. So we're having to navigate relationships with blue, blue chip companies, big fortune 500, large professional service firms that have 15,000 plus employees. Um, and us coming in as, as this really growing startup, trying to meet the demands of this, uh, of these companies, has been hard. So we we have to think about we have been having to think about our scalability really early on. So it's both thinking back through a long term approach to a short term. So things are like changing by the minute. Um, so I think that's something we really appreciated from Babson because we really learned this adaptive mindset here at Babson when. You hear something from yeah. your customer, you, you're able to meet and change the, the next day. So we really appreciated that from our education here. We brought it now uh, as we uh, build this business. And um, a lot of a lot of uh, the challenges that we have now is also, you know, the, the marketing and communications. And the space we're in, uh, a lot of people have different uh, definitions. You know, uh, uh, racial equity is a tough term. Uh, for many folks to handle. So we have to do a lot of education as well in the space as we're trying to sell our service. But how we manage that is just by starting to work with the people who who who, who already get it. Um, and, and that would create a ripple effect. We're not going to work with a company that is that doesn't at least understand that this is a that this is a business imperative. Um, so we try to get a head start there by finding who are the leading companies, organizations that we want to work with and develop those relationships. And so um, that that has been great because many of those folks ha- have come out of Babson. You look at the chairman of PricewaterhouseCoopers, Tim wow. Ryan, is a, yeah. is, a Babson, is a Babson graduate, and he's leading the CEO action for inclusion, a big pledge that over 200 CEOs are already signed and a Babson alum is behind it. So we're really proud and we're really um, optimistic because of the, the network of Babson and the community we have built. We can make Project 99 successful and a company that will be able to work with, um, you know, uh, many, many of these leading organizations worldwide. Mm-hmm. Can, can you tell me about what you do when you, this, let's say PricewaterhouseCoopers, they call you up and they say, hey, we want you to work with maybe, I don't know, 20, 30, maybe 50 or more people. I, what, what does that look like? How many people typically attend and, and what do you actually do? What's a day look like? Yeah, yeah of course. So, so with, uh, in the world of diversity and inclusion and promoting diversity and inclusion and racial equity, uh, a lot of the training and 
probably a majority of the training and development in that space is done with more theory-based uh, trainings that kind of go through uh, maybe uh, the theories behind unconscious bias. Uh, we see that a lot, and sometimes uh, we also see, and this is very popular in college campuses, but it's, it's, it's even happening in companies, which is sometimes people just you know, kind of get together in a circle and talk about race, right? And those things are important, but we, we uh, think that that's just really the starting point. Uh, sure. And sometimes uh, the theory conversations, the data shows, it sometimes actually makes has a reverse effect. Really? Uh, and then the conversations that are just open-ended, people just in a circle talking, you know, those can be very powerful. But many times people are, are, are scared. You know, people, uh, you know, feel that, mm-hmm. uh, they feel uncomfortable. So so this is a lot of what we, from the very start of probably 99, we were thinking, okay, how can we really evolve that? And for us, to obtain this point, it's about creating a space where people are working together to build ideas uh, to tackle racial equity. That's what that's what we're doing. We're just cre- we're creating a space, uh, so that's when companies engage with us, they are uh, bringing the Project Ninety Nine uh, programming uh, that is going to help them organize their people to to put them at the forefront of cultural change at their companies, mm-hmm. and I think that's very effective. Uh, kind of, I mean, it's a very millennial way to learning. Uh, because it's more hands-on, experiential, and um, and you know it's 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 worth saying when you look at it in, in the world of entrepreneurship and idea generation. There, that model has proved very successful because uh, in the process of creating a business, uh, at Babson, for example, we have a we have FME, and in that process, if that business doesn't you know plan out to be the next you know Apple. It's fine because there was a lot of kind of capacity building and skills building and, and there was a lot. You got your muscles stretched in that process. Mm-hmm. And if it becomes successful, then it creates great value. And, and so we're trying to do that in the space of racial equity. Some of these ideas might just end up being ideas, but that process, everyone becomes an inclusive leader and learns from each other and creates a strong bond with each other and with their company. And then the second, the, the amazing thing that can happen on top of that is if these things are really looked at, they can transform uh, pockets of, of the workforce, if not a big part of it. So, yes. Yeah. And, and in that, it's uh, peer led, isn't it? So, what, what do, so if I were to do one today, what would, it, what would it be like for me? Would you train me and then, and then I would, sort of do a, these interactive experiential uh, processes? or uh, Is it fun? Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's very fun. Right now, you, you see, many people see diversity uh, uh, as an equation. Um, racism equals this. Sexism equals this. Okay, don't say that because that's bad. You know, at the end of the day, that, that's a process that has been so ingrained in people, and we know we're not going to change people overnight. So when you walk into a Project 99 program, it's more of a 
like a like a startup weekend. Um, oh, so yeah. uh, you walk in, you see this fresh new set of, uh, of faces. Ours are smaller, so 30 to 35 people because we're trying to create more intimate spaces. You walk in, see colleagues and peers at, at this organization that you might not seen before or you know, but you don't really know them. You walk in and we first step is we build community with this cohort. We get you to know your, your colleagues, understand their stories, their background, not to um, all of a sudden, you know, uh, um, you know, accept everyone or agree with everyone, but build consensus. Like, I understand where you come from. And that's really with the power of, of the 99 uh, that is very connected to the Human Genome Project. So uh, we are all 99.9% alike, yet 0.01 different. So when we talk about um, the 99, we're trying to create leaders, inclusive leaders, that are both able to embrace that common humanity we'll bring to the table, but also leverage that 0.01 unique factor. Mm -hmm. So the first goal is for you to come in and um, really listen to everybody's stories and uh, really figure out what every every person in that room is bringing to the table. Then we get you into teams uh, with a diverse group, and you are taking through... uh, a process where you're looking at the challenges that your company is experiencing and figuring out how it's directly related to the business. And you are uh, are taken through a process where you have to develop a solution to that problem. And you will present that solution to your to a senior leader at your company, a senior manager. So think about the, the entrepreneurship thought and mindset of diversity. Um, and bringing that into the workplace. So you as, as a, somebody that might just be going up in the ranks of the organization, you feel empowered, say, I have a say in this, and my senior leader is going to hear this presentation. But also it was fun because I connected with these folks, and throughout a, a, a period uh, of hours, you know, we're eating, we're, we're grabbing a beer, and we're talking about mm-hmm. real conversations. So it's definitely a, a fun environment. Uh, so I know that you're moving towards this vision of the 30 by 2030. And I, w- I wonder, was just wondering if you could tell me a little about that and how your 20, 30 by 20 summit uh, went. And, and also, I know you're doing this accelerator, the 99 accelerator. How do those all tie in and, and where do you see that going for the future? Yeah, thank you. So the 30 by 2030 is connected to that gap that we talked about, which is the country's 30% black and Latino, but senior leadership, corporate America is only 3% black and Latino. So it's how can we get to 30% racial and ethnic leadership at the top of uh, our organizations by the year 2030. And uh, it's a cross-sector movement. Uh, we, we, want, we want education nonprofits, for-profits, everyone in the room to be part of this movement. And this is the case of our first 30 by 2030 summit, which was our company launch event in Boston. Uh, and the 99 Accelerator Program, your candy just described, uh, and, and we're really excited uh, to, to, to launch it. So it, it is all connected because of the 30 by 2030 summit, selected participants in the 99 Accelerator get to show their work in front wow. of the of the uh, attendees of the 30 by 2030 summits. Thanks for listening to this week's Babson Built, where we showcase Babson entrepreneurs and founders. 
If you have a second, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We take feedback seriously here at Babson Built, and it helps other listeners find us. If you know a Babson entrepreneur who should be featured, email us at babsonbuilt at gmail.com.